0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. How's everyone doing? Doing well? It's not too cold out. Of course, everything feels warm after the last few weeks. I didn't even put a sweater on today, so that was a good day. Um, but so before I get into the message, I wanted to guys give you guys an update. So I'm actually leaving today, uh, heading to Portland, and then actually driving from Portland over to Bend, Oregon, uh, for a retreat with some uh, four other leaders in uh, the Manahouse family that we're a part of, larger family that we're a part of. Uh, Manahouse was previously City Bible. They've just changed their names a few times. Um, but mana house church, the the movement we've really been a part of for a long time, but we're we're kind of walking together and talking about church planning, what that looks like for the future. And, you know, I shared a story in November with you about um, the heart was to raise a million and a half dollars as the Mana House Global family to plant churches. And as the idea was to have a, a church planting fund that would actually be perpetual. that by the time, you use that million and a half dollars to help plant churches that those same churches would be funding back into that fund and it's honestly very genius it's a good idea and and they've done the calculations of how that would work and, and so when I was listening to this I, I shared that I felt God put on my heart that NTC should commit to 10% of that and I didn't want to do that just being honest right. I kind of shared that from the beginning, $150,000 is a lot of money. That's a lot of money for us. Uh, I didn't have that kind of money. We don't have that kind of money just lying around unused. Every, trust me, every bit of money that we have, we put to good use. And uh, it wasn't just lying around. And so I, I went to Mark, and I, I said, you know, I really feel the Holy Spirit's telling us this, but I'm telling you right now, we don't have this money. It's going to take me at least a year. So I told you this story uh, in November, just three months ago. And I am going to Portland tomorrow with a $150,000 check. So this year we put that out there, $150,000 that we're sowing into church planning. And then we are also raising another $50,000 for all the the projects we've been doing, the leadership school. If you haven't looked through the windows to the upstairs floor, um, it's amazing the work that's already happening there. We are raising another $50,000 towards that. I wanted to give you an overall View of where we're at with that, we only need about twelve thousand more dollars. So we've raised hundred and eighty-eight thousand dollars in the last three months. Now I don't know about you, you can clap to that. Those numbers confuse me, and I'm supposed to be one full of faith, okay. Like, those are huge numbers, and even as I I was telling Mark about giving this, now they have a huge church. There's like about 8,000 people in their church in Portland, and so their numbers are just larger in general. But for us, this is a lot of money, and to believe that God and you and God stirred people's hearts to give, and we're at this number, we're only about $12,000 away from reaching that full uh, number, I'm I'm just in shock over it and really outrageously blessed. So you know, if someone's in here and has an extra twelve grand, we'll take it any time. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm sure we're gonna get there. It's gonna be awesome. I'm so excited for what God's doing. So I wanted to give you an update on that as I jump into our message today. So if you've been with us the last four or five weeks, we've talked about joy, um, we've talked about it in many different contexts, and I want to kind of play off of. Uh, One of the scriptures that I read just two weeks ago when I spoke about joy and kind of go into a a new topic today. And the title of the, the message is The Fig Tree. But really, what I want to talk about is being fruitful. And so let's pick up in John 15. Many of you have heard me talk about this scripture. I will talk about this scripture as often as I get a chance. Because when I read John 14 and 15, I really feel like Jesus is putting this really I mean this first off this is his last converse some of his last conversations with his disciples. And he's laying out some really important information to them. And he's challenging them and he's he's commending them and he's he's kind of pushing them to really understand why he came and what he was doing here. And so some of these words are very important for us. So I want to pick up in John 15 verse 11. Jesus has been speaking for a while But he gets to verse 11 and it says this, I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I I spoke on this just a few weeks ago. And the reference to what I believe he's talking about here is two parts, relationship and purpose. Relationship and what I want to use today is being fruitful. If you jump back just a few verses in verse 8 of chapter 15, Jesus says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. If you jump back even a few more verses, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And so I want to go on this little bit of a journey today talking about our lives as Christians, but really our lives as humans, that we were designed not just for existence, but also for purpose to be fruitful in her life. So let's jump all the way back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 verse 11. And, and you know one thing I always try to say, if you read the first two chapters of Genesis, it's important to understand what's happening here because uh, you know this is what I always I say it in this way and I don't want to argue about it necessarily, but I would say it's God's original intention. It means this he puts us on earth for an intended purpose In Genesis 3, things go awry. (laughs) We mess it up. But in Genesis 1 and 2, we see a picture of the world. We see a picture of humanity. We see even a picture of relationship with God. That's really important for us to remember. This is how God designed us to be as people. Before we decided, we thought we could do it better. So Genesis 1-11, you know, there's a lot of scriptures that happen you know God's created all this stuff and it says this then God said let the land sprout with vegetation every sort of seed bearing plant the trees that grow seed bearing fruit and these seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came so right from the beginning it's you know another uh, translation says that every tree bared fruit after its kind so if you're an apple tree, guess what you're never going to grow? A pear or any other fruit that you could think of. You bear fruit after your kind. It was built into the DNA of the world. It's the same about people. Let me say that right now. You bear fruit after your kind. You know, as parents, I think we realize this, if you've got children at all, you start to realize this really well. Your kids will never do what you say. They will do what you do. You can want them to be different than you, but generally they're going to be mostly like you. And so really, the best thing you can do as a parent when you're producing some fruit in your life, which is a child, and you're raising them up to be another human, is to be a better human yourself. To let Jesus transform you into the design that you were created to be and then your children will follow along the way. You know, this is why, you know, when I, when I talk about parenting a lot, I think one of the, the best things a parent can learn to do is apologize to their children. Because at the end of the day, we have to recognize uh, we aren't living our design all the time. <laughs> I'm not parenting, I'm not showing my children exactly the kind of fruit I want them to be. So when I mess up, I say, hey guys, you remember when I just did that? Uh, That's bad fruit. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't. I'm not supposed to be like that. But yet the Bible teaches us, right from Genesis 1, that every tree, every seed bears fruit of its own kind. And we have to realize that as people, as Christians, as humans, that however we're going to be... We're going to bear fruit like us. And Jesus is calling us in John 15, as we just read, to bear much fruit. We're not supposed to be fruitless beings. We're not supposed to be fruitless trees, which is what we're going to talk about when we get to the fig tree, the title of the the message today. Because there's a story that we're going to get to where Jesus finds a fig tree that has no fruit. And there's an issue with that. Because really from Genesis we see trees are supposed to produce fruit. People are supposed to be fruitful. So you you turn just a little bit further in verse 28. We'll back up just a little bit. It says, so God created human human beings in his own image. Verse 27, in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Now we all know this means have some kids. But it doesn't just mean that. It's talking about their purpose in life, that they're called to be fruitful, that that when they sow seed, they're called to produce something, that when they work in their life, that fruit is supposed to come out of it, that our lives aren't supposed to be empty vessels. They're supposed to be fruitful vessels. And we see this right written into humanity from the beginning of time. And then in Genesis 2, we're not going to read those scriptures. You know, Jesus, or God, puts man in charge of this garden that he creates. He says, tend it, shape it, take care of it. He realizes man isn't quite enough for that, so he creates a woman. And we see that they're together supposed to shape the world, transform the world into the image that God has for it. And we get to chapter 3, and we start to see that something takes place. In a sense, they kind of begin to question God. We we see the story of a serpent and You know, that whispers lies into the ear of of the woman, Eve, and she starts to believe against what God said, which was don't eat this one tree, the the fruit of this one tree, and she decides to eat it anyway. We know what happens here, right? Let's just turn quickly to verse 7. Chapter 3, verse 7 says, At that moment, so they both eat this fruit that they weren't supposed to. And at that moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. I want to stop here real quick. You know, for the last three, four days, I've been reading like every scripture about fig trees. You know what's weird? There's no other tree in the Bible that's talked about more than the fig tree. And we don't have fig trees. In fact, figs don't even look that appetizing to me. But they're from Genesis 3 all the way to Revelation. They're talked about. And and you know, I don't necessarily think the fig tree itself is some significant thing, but it's a symbolism of something significant that God uses to try to teach us. And so right from the beginning, we, we, I want to back up just a little bit. It says the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So if you don't know about the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from, it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, sometimes we read that and we think almost like uh, maybe they were like little kids that literally didn't understand that there was a right and wrong. That's not the case, I believe. This word knowledge isn't an understanding of something's existence, like, oh, I didn't know right and wrong existed. No. It, knowledge literally meant an intimate experience of And so they didn't have an intimate experience of evil yet. And God was saying, don't eat this tree because then you'll intimately experience both good and evil. It wasn't just an understanding that evil existed. It wasn't like, oh, you don't want to know all the bad things that you're not supposed to do. It was literally God saying, listen, because I think they probably knew wrong things. They were like, oh yeah, I shouldn't do those, those things. But yet God was saying, you don't want to experience them in an intimate way. You don't want to get up close and personal with evil. Don't eat this tree. But yet it said the fruit looked good. And I find this interesting. Because in the DNA of humanity, we were called to be fruitful. And we are called to produce certain kinds of fruit. We see it through scriptures, and even, you know, we see it more in the New Testament, and we see it, you know, through the fruits of the Spirit, and we see it through John 4, which I'm gonna read in a little bit about what kind of fruit we're called to produce. We see this fruit that God's designed for us, but then there's also a fruit He's hopeful we don't eat. And this is the fruit of the knowledge of evil. It's like, we don't, He doesn't want us to experience what we were not supposed to be like. And when they take this fruit, I don't think the fruit they ate, you know, actually what's interesting is a lot of Hebrew uh, theologians believe that it was a fig. Because it says they became shamed and they immediately sowed fig leaves together. They think they took the same leaves from the same tree to cover themselves. So it's quite possible that it was a fig that they know I don't know why we always think it was an apple. Maybe that's just an American nice thing to think. We really have no idea, but some people think it's the fig. And I don't think the fig was bad. I don't think it was like, Jesus like, oh, I'm just going to pick this one fruit, or God's like, this fruit's bad, let's just make sure they don't eat it. No, it was a symbolistic idea that God said, I have you designed for a certain kind of fruit in this world, and I don't want you to start producing the fruit you're not supposed to be. But we wander over the tree that we're not supposed to bear fruit after that kind. Does this make sense now? You see, we're trees called to produce, designed to produce good fruit. Yet we wandered to a tree that produced some bad fruit and decided we wanted to, we wanted to do that as well. It's all symbolistic here. And they take this fruit and they eat it and they immediately, and this is, what, this is what's interesting. You, they immediately yield the fruit in which God didn't want them to yield shame think about this i mean according to the story they're naked they have no shame they're living life free they're 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 living their design everything is good and immediately when they go against the design of how they were supposed to produce fruit they feel shame anybody ever felt shame anybody feel it now I think it's probably one of the most cursed things in our life because it's really the first curse. Before God even gets with them and says, oh, you're going to have to be kicked out of the garden and here's a couple of curses over mankind because you acted this way. The first curse was they ate the fruit of shame. And now they're going to bear the same fruit in their lives and in their kids' lives. I tell you what, man, haven't we seen that? You struggle with something and your kids end up struggling with the same thing. Because we bear fruit after our own kind, even when it's the bad fruit. And so what we see from Genesis 3 to date and beyond is God's reconciling with the world to say, Stop eating this kind of fruit and start producing this kind of fruit. You weren't designed for this fruit over here. Let it go. And now I want you to produce the fruit in which you were designed to be. I want you to be the humans and Christians and people you were designed to be from the beginning of time, but you have to lay down this other fruit that you've been eating and bearing. And I want you to start bearing the fruit you were called to. And we get back to John 15, and he says, I tell you all this. After all this fruit language of producing much fruit because we're his disciples, I tell you all this so that your joy will overflow. I think unless we become fruitful in our lives in the right ways, it's impossible to experience the joy God has for us. In John 4.36, we'll jump there real quick. All the way back to the New Testament. In John 4.36, Jesus is with his disciples. We see this woman at the well story take place, and she comes to knowing who he is. It's really an incredible moment. And then the, the disciples are trying to feed him, and he goes on saying, listen, I'm not even hungry anymore because my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And I want to jump down, and he goes into this harvesting fruit language, and I want to I read this for us. He says, you know the saying, four more months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around, the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. I think there's all sorts of fruit that we can produce as Christians. I think the fruits of the Spirit is part of it and what God does within us. But then there's a fruit that's supposed to be produced outside of us, and guess what that is? People. People brought to eternal life. People connected to Jesus. People connected to their destiny. People connected to the goodness of God, to the grace of God, to the the price that he paid. People connected to his body. This is what we are called to produce. Not just always fruit within us, which we do as Christians, but also fruit outside of us. And Jesus says, if you want to be my true disciples, you will produce much fruit. And I believe the fruit he's talking about is this fruit. The fruit they talked about is people brought to eternal life. And he goes on to even make some more explanation. He says, what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. And others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. I'm telling you, there's fruit for our lives that we didn't even do the work for. But yet God calls us to pick that fruit, to produce that fruit, to harvest that fruit. Every one of us is called to be fruitful. It's in our DNA. And I think that one of the things that Christianity struggles with is, is we get latched on to the idea of just kind of fulfilling the religious duties of what it looks like to be a Christian, whether that's you know making sure you're reading your Bible and even spending time with Jesus or you know, coming to church and worshiping and 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 you know getting you know connected to people, but then what we forget about is outside of all of those things that are for us, Jesus calls us to produce fruit outside of us as well. I don't think Christianity can be fulfilling until we begin to produce the fruit God calls us to fruit. I think, I think it'll last for a while and even the best of us that know we just want to go to heaven it's like, yeah, I'm going to endure you know oh uh, yeah, I got to go to church. Well I hope they play the songs I like. I hope the music isn't too loud. I hope those windows aren't open. Or I hope the windows are closed. And we start to make it all about us. Man, I, I wish they would do this. I wish they'd have a ministry like that for us. I wish that this would. And we, be, we begin to actually go back to Genesis 3 where we're just trying to find fruit that makes us feel good. Rather than looking for the fruit in the world that God calls us to produce, which is people brought to eternal life. People. Who don't know Christ. Who are desperate for Him and they don't even know it. You know, I wanted to give you some numbers today. To challenge you a little bit. So right now in our church, in just Messina. Not counting Augensburg. Not counting our connection with Malone. In just Messina, nearly 700 people call NTC Messina their home church. And we would label them as attenders, okay? And those 700 people are, are connected to a fairly regular degree to the church, whether they come maybe, we, we kind of say at least once a month. You don't, you don't even get to make that list if you don't come once a month. If you say this is your home church, you come twice a year, uh, we put you in the visitor category, okay? But 700 people are coming at least once a month, Maybe connecting to an event here or there throughout the year. 700 people. Now I want to take a second and ask you to look around. Is there 700 people in here? Now, again, coming to church isn't the only metric. And I'm not trying to make it be. But I want to say this. It is certainly a metric. You know, I I read a number of weeks ago from Hebrews 10 where Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, was admonishing that group to to not forsake the gathering together of the saints, it says. And, And it talks about clinging to hope together. I'm telling you, we are called to be the body of Christ. We're called to produce fruit. But has anybody ever worked alone and then worked with someone else? Isn't there a difference? I mean, I can work alone by myself all day and I'll get a certain amount of work done. But then someone comes to work with me and I swear it's like five times as much work gets done. You motivate each other, right? Sometimes it's just simply because you needed another set of hands because you can't hang on to something that's too large. Like, I mean, man, have you ever tried to side a house by yourself? I have. It's dumb. They're 12-foot long vinyl lengths that are floppy. And I just ask my Nine-year-old, hey, can you come hold the other end of that? And all of a sudden, I'm going five times as fast as I was before. We're called to produce fruit together. Uh, And this is the challenge. I'm going to start to put a challenge out today, and I'm believing for this year. If you are connected to this church and you believe this is your home church, come. Come. I know that COVID's still a thing. I want to say, come anyway. You'll find more life here than you will at home. Listen, our online service, we love making it good. It's not a replacement, it's just a tool. And I'm not I'm I'm going to push a little bit. I want to almost make you uncomfortable. if you're watching online today, I'm trying to make you a little uncomfortable. Listen, if you're comfortable with taking a trip to Florida, but not comfortable coming to church, something's wrong. Okay? Cuz listen, there's no masks in Florida. I just went to Montana, I didn't see a single mask. It like freaked me out. I didn't realize how conditioned I was. I'm going to the restaurants, I'm like, Wait, who, am I, who, who, nobody else. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. I, get really serious with yourself right now. Get serious with yourself at home and ask yourself, why am I not connected more? Is it too cold this morning? It's always cold. It's Messina. We got rid of your excuse for too hot. You have A.C. in the summer. I'm telling you, get serious about connecting to the body of Christ. If you want to have joy in your life, you want to have purpose, if you want to live the design of God, you cannot do it separate from the body of Christ. You can't. Now, you can survive. You'll live a little bit. You'll make it till Jesus comes back. You'll get into heaven. Really cool. That's not the point of this. The point is that God's calling us to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth now. That's what the Our Father prayer is about. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Don't wait till you're dead to be happy. Don't wait till you're dead to be filled with joy. I love the scripture that Justin read that at the end he wipes every tear. Guess what? He can get rid of sorrow now, it doesn't have to wait till then. But I'm, I'm I want to plead with you this year. If you're connected to this church, you call this your home church. Get connected. Make a change in your life. Do something drastic to come back to God. I love Second Corinthians. I think it's chapter ten. I, I don't want to quote it perfectly, but uh, he calls us ambassadors of Christ that we have this ministry of reconciliation and it says pleading with people to come back to God that's the words that's what I'm doing today I'm pleading with you come back because this is why and it's it's for you I want you to come back and get connected to church for you but it's also for everyone around us who doesn't know God yet because we look at Matthew 9 and Jesus says the same thing there's crowds they're harassed and scattered that's the world today And he says, the the harvest is great. The fruit is everywhere. You want to be filled with joy? It's everywhere. But the workers are few. I want you to get connected back to the body of Christ. If you're a Christian already, I want you to get connected back to the body of Christ. Not just for yourself, but for the purpose of the kingdom in this world. Because so many people need Jesus. They do. They don't know it. We've made it weird for them, I know. But we can show a different side. We can show what God really looks like. The goodness of who he is from the beginning of time to the end. And how he's pursuing humanity. He calls us his own kids in Romans 8. That he wants to adopt us. This is the heart of God for the world. And he's given us this ministry. To bring people back to him. This is the fruit we're called to produce. Matthew 21, I want to jump there. We'll get to the fig tree. I haven't even gotten there yet. In Matthew 21, we see this story where Jesus, it's, it's, it's actually uh, right after Palm Sunday, right? He enters Jerusalem, this victorious kind of you know, moment where he's coming into the city and people are laying down their palms and their coats and it's this, this moment, right? Well, then we jump down. Verse 21, we'll jump down to verse 18. And it says, Jesus went to the temple. He gets angry, which is okay, right? You can get angry sometimes. He knocks over a few tables, creates a whip. Things get ugly. And then he leaves. And we pick this up in verse 8. It says, in the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. And then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, May it be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you'll receive it. I want to stop for a second. That's where I want to stop. We see this fig tree situation and, you know, I think this is probably the first account of being hangry. You can laugh at that. Jesus has a sense of humor. He's hungry, but it doesn't have the fruit that he's looking for. Now, if you read this same story in Mark, there's actually an explanation that just says it wasn't even the time of year for figs. But what was abnormal was that the tree had leaves without figs. You see, the leaves and the figs come together and go together. The leaves will fall off and they'll come back and the fig tree will bear fruit again. So to go and see a tree with leaves, the expectation is, oh, there might be some fruit. Because usually the leaves only come when the figs are there. And Jesus finds it fruitless. And and, and the symbolism the symbol, symbolism of this story is really about Jerusalem, but it's about the people of God. It's about the people of God who look like they have the right leaves on the outside, but inside they have no fruit. He's just gone to the temple and tipped it over and basically tipped over the tables and told them they've forgotten what God's call is over them to represent him in the world. He's angry about the representation of the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jewish people because they're supposed to be what God looks like in the world. And now he's basically saying, listen, look at you. You're a tree with leaves but no fruit. And he curses it. And he says, "Let let it never bear fruit again. And I think this is a warning to us as the church. Please, dear Jesus, don't let us look like a tree with great leaves, but it's useless. In fact, what we see, the only good use of the fig leaves is from Genesis 3. To cover up our own shame. Man, don't let us be that kind of church that says we got to look right and so we'll put some leaves on to make sure people don't see the real parts of us. But yet there's not going to be any fruit. We're just going to kind of live here and and wait till Jesus comes back. We do not want to be a barren fig tree. We don't want to be a fruitless people. You know, another parable just like this in Luke 13. The worship team can come up. We're going to take communion together today. In Luke 13, verses 6 through 9. I'm wrong. Well, I put the wrong chapter down or something because it's not there. It's in Luke somewhere. There's a story that Jesus tells the parable of a farmer who plants a fig tree. And he comes back to get some figs from it and it doesn't have any fruit. And he says to the workers, he says, Three seasons I've come back to collect fruit from this fig tree and it's not borne any fruit. Cut it down. It's taking up space in good soil. And the workers actually say, Jesus, just give us one more year. Let us... Care for it. Let us take care of this thing. Let us tend to it. Let us nurture it. And if it doesn't bear fruit after that, then you can cut it down. And there's this symbolism there. And I think that this is a better picture for me. Because I think that there's probably been some seasons where Jesus showed up. Or the, the owner showed up. And I didn't have any fruit to show. And I'm grateful... And maybe the Holy Spirit said, oh, just let me work on him a little longer. Let me take care of him a little longer. Let me, let me nurture him a little. Let me maybe clip some of his leaves. Let me prune him. Let me, let me get him in better shape. And, and maybe after that, if you have to, you can cut him down. And even with that picture, what I appreciate is, I think Jesus comes back over and over. Will you bear fruit now? How about now can you make some changes now can you can you do something in your life now so that you'll bear fruit will you let the holy spirit mess with your life so that you can be fruitful i think that's the call of us today and this year you know i can't believe what god's already done you know i started in november talking about what we wanted to see happen in 2022 it's happened in a month the money's in the construction's almost you know halfway done with all the framing and everything the the work we want to do in 2022 I think Jesus is saying let me get this work that you planned out of the way because I have some work for you today I have some work for you in 2022 and the work is this just be fruitful here's the challenge I have for every one of us person this year there's probably 170 people in here right now there's probably another 70, 80 people watching online you 70, 80 people, you come back, thank you that gives us about 250 250 more people in 2022 why not? just one person for each one of us one person that we reach out to and in 2022 we try to show them the goodness of who Jesus is we try to get them connected to their design and their purpose we try to get them connected to the body of Christ why not why can't we produce fruit like that can you do one person I want you to raise your hand don't do it if you're not serious one person this year. Think of one person in your life. Family member. Coworker. Friend. Neighbor. Just one person. And listen, if you don't if you think, listen to me and you're like, I have no clue how to do this. There's no way I can do this. Then start here. Jesus, give me an open door. He will. I start praying that prayer and you know what happens? People just come and start telling me their life. I'm like, I'm busy. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I think Jesus wants me to say something to them. If the person at the gas station, at the gas pump on the other side starts talking to you about how frustrating life is, might be an opportunity. Can we produce maybe just one fruit this year? Can we look at our lives and say, Jesus, I don't want you to show up and be a fruitless tree. All of us are called to produce fruit, all of us are designed to produce fruit, all of us have the capability to produce fruit. Let's stand this morning. In what ways have we produced leaves? that look good but remain fruitless in our lives? This is a challenging question. And then the the challenge for this, who is God calling us to care, coach, and cultivate? Who can you care for? Who can you start to coach in their life? And then how can you help cultivate them to be fruitful people? You're able to do this. Jesus is able to do this through you. The Holy Spirit is able to do this through you. God wants to use us to produce much fruit this year. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.